Hello, Channel Pros. Welcome back to the Channel Journeys podcast. I am Rob Spee, your host and partner ecosystem fanatic. I'm just back from a European vacation. We had a fantastic time exploring small European villages, enjoying all the local foods, and I even got to see some of the classic mountains included in this year's Tour de France. I really want to go back and ride my bike over those mountains. They looked awesome. But now I'm jumping back into the partner ecosystem world at Beyond Trust. We are almost two years into our transition to the next generation channel and making great progress. One of the keys to success is getting and maintaining alignment on your partner strategy, particularly with your CRO, the chief revenue officer. How would your CRO advise your reps to leverage the ecosystem? What's your CRO's view on the role of your partner managers? Well, I decided to have some fun and test my alignment with my boss, Brent Thorell, the CRO at Beyond Trust. I wanted to get his take on our ecosystem strategy and why it's so important to our growth. Before we get started, I want to give a shout out to Impartner, the sponsor of Channel Journeys. Building a partner ecosystem requires a powerful partner management solution. With a global user base of over 4 million partners, Impartner is recognized as the global leading provider of partner management technologies. Impartner specializes in cutting-edge solutions for partner relationship management and partner marketing automation. Their platform is built around best practices and sophisticated automation, enabling partner teams like yours to quickly move from program operations to maximum time to value. Okay, are you ready to hear a CRO's perspective on the partner ecosystem and see if I've actually gotten strategic alignment? Let's go. This is Channel Journeys, the podcast for channel professionals. Here you will meet and learn from channel experts who share their channel victories, defeats, and lessons learned along the way. Here's your host, channel chief, and adventure seeker, Rob Spee. Hey, Brent, good afternoon. Welcome back to the Channel Journeys podcast. This is actually second time for you. This is second time for me. Liz Shuloff, who's our CMO, for those that don't know, here at Beyond Trust, she said that you must have run out of all of the best guests for me to be re-invited back on the podcast. Yeah. Back to the bottom of the barrel. from uh, Indeed, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. All right, awesome. Well, you're the Chief Revenue Officer at Beyond Trust, so I've got a first question for you. Uh, a little bit of flattery. You've been in the role for three years. I think you're doing a fantastic job leading the growth of this company. Where do you get your energy and motivation? Thank you, Rob. I appreciate you saying that. Where do I get my energy and motivation? I don't know. I'm a sports person at heart. I think as a kid, I played a lot of sports, but particularly I played lacrosse and I played rugby as well up to quite a high level. So I think I'm just a, an exceptionally competitive individual. I love to win, which I think is a fairly common trait, right? With a lot of people that um, pursue careers and go to market but it's really that I think for me you know I do want to win I do want to make sure that we're be beating our competitors if someone gives me a a goal and, and a target to go get after then that's very compelling for me I really you know have to drive and and, and run after it in terms of like managing my en energy I have to say you know I'm not the spring chicken <laughs> that I once was but I'm a big advocate for making sure that you know, you spend a lot of time looking after the vehicle that moves you around the planet. So, you know, make sure that you are looking after yourself in terms of what you eat, what you put into your head, you know, what you read, and also the the amount of time you spend exercising. Don't always get that 
right 100% of the time, but I think that's an important thing for people to do. That's, that's what I try and do anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Well, competitive spirit is a good trait to have in, in your role for sure. So let's talk about our go-to-market strategy at Beyond Trust, which yeah. is centered around attain, grow, and protect the account. Let's dive into that a little bit. And where did that come from and, and why is that so important to you? Yeah, I think attain, grow, and protect were really just three categorizations of a model that was actually put forward by Gartner that really tried to describe what the buyer's life cycle or the, the customer journey, if you will, is like with any organization in a modern SaaS context, right? Mm-hmm. So we moved away from this very linear approach to customer has an issue, customer buys piece of software, customer owns that software license in perpetuity and you know pays annual support and maintenance and and the relationship kind of mapped to that then then there was a big you know gap certainly from a sales and go to market relationship perspective so what we really wanted to do was to to try and reframe everybody's thinking around well what does our relationship map need to look like to support mm-hmm. this new customer journey and i think just very very basically you know you have this attain motion at the front end how do we go out there and find all of this greenfield opportunity in terms of new logos as we would refer to it and then once we have attained that client how do we then help to move into a growth motion how do we grow that client through either expansion of the stuff that they've just bought from us or by the exploration of other use cases you know exploring other pain points that we can help the customer to uh, to address and then having help them to grow and explore other avenues with us, then, you know, we get into a a protection motion, right? We Mm -hmm. want to make sure that that customer would want to continue to, uh, to re-up with us every year or for a three-year period, you know, a multi-year period through their resubscription. Yeah. So that's really where that came to or came, came from, if you like. And, and it was a, a method by which, you know, we could really get everybody on board across the organization, not just go to market, but get, you know, customer success, thinking about that journey in a in a similar way and start to develop a, a language internally within Beyond Trust that helps everybody to really understand that buyer journey and how we map to it. Yeah, the buyer journey, the SaaS journey that has changed so much. Yeah. So this is kind of fun, Brett. About two years ago, I was on the other side of the, of the table. You were interviewing me yeah. for a, a partner role. And you came to me and said, hey, Rob, I want you to help build this next generation partner ecosystem. Yeah. Where did that idea come from? What what convinced you as CRO that you needed this and transition from the channel that we had? Well, there was a few things really. And I think first and foremostly, again, this comes back down to, you know, I, I guess how you see the world. I like to think that I have an abundance mentality rather than a scarcity mentality. Mm-hmm. I think that's very important for anybody in life, actually. But to my mind, we were really viewing the channel with a bit of a scarcity mentality at the time, which was, I saw in in many places, hey, I have this deal. I know how much I can extract out of the deal. I don't necessarily want to give away any margin to anybody else. I don't want to have to bring another partner into it because I might have to lose some revenue out of the deal. You know, and that scarcity mentality frightened the life out of me because I thought, you know, we're never going to grow at scale across the organization. So that was kind of the first thing I need to get people thinking differently about the channel. This shouldn't be about, oh, do I have to give up margin to, to somebody? I, I completely wanted to, to eradicate that thought process. And then I think 
the the second thing was I, I really noticed a shift in the market maybe four or five years ago actually it was probably as long ago as that pre-covid where there was a very much a need for us to start looking beyond just a traditional var or vad you know mm. single tier two tier type relationship because a lot of the best relationships that I saw across the organization that we had were not necessarily those that were just purely based on a commercial transaction. They were those that were based really on relationship and the value creation that goes around the deal mm -hmm. itself, if you will, yeah. the opportunity itself. And so really for me, it was, a, it was looking at how do we expand people's thinking into this kind of abundance mindset of there are all these cool people working with the same customers that we work with. How do we tap into their network? How do we get them involved in these projects and build additional incremental value in and around the opportunity that we think we see is just the opportunity might be one small part of a much, much bigger picture and, and incidentally generally is in the world of identity security, at least. So yeah, that's for me, that was one of the, the kind of big turning points. Mm -hmm. And I, I really wanted to increase the aperture on the amount of partners that we're working with beyond VARs and VADs start to look at new technology partnerships, you know, who can we integrate with? Who should mm -hmm. we be co-selling with? You know, the GSIs, service partners, um, managed service providers, and, you know, the list goes on and on. But really, right. how do how do we create this broad church of, of individuals that can help support our customers' journey, help our customers to develop add additional value and help us win deals and differentiate? Yeah, so that was almost two years ago. What do you think we've accomplished together since then i honestly believe that we've accomplished a tremendous amount you've accomplished a tremendous amount actually in terms of the way that you've reoriented us as an organization not just the channel organization but i think as a go-to-market organization and really starting to embed that philosophy i know you, you have a maturity model and I, I know you've kind of plotted where we are on that maturity model and yeah. i know there's always work to do but i definitely think we've made you know, leaps and bounds in terms of how, how we've come on there, both in terms of the variety of partners mm -hmm. as we've built out that next generation channel model, and also, you know, the engagement and results that we've got out of some of those different types of channel partnerships. So yeah, I think we absolutely have come on leaps and bounds, work still to do, but I think we're approaching a level, I would say, of um, maturity still think we've been growing towards that we're, we're starting to get into yeah. that maturity phase and you know we can still move move the needle forward i think over the next couple of years here but we've achieved a, a tremendous amount and hopefully our partners would say the same as well and i think yeah, they do. hopefully so well that was just my chance to record how great i'm doing <laughs> there you go yeah it's going to come up at your next appraisal i'm exactly. sure yeah so i think transitioning from that transactional channel to the ecosystem and what we're trying to do is a massive change for the organization and i think the leaders and the elt across the board cross-functionally all get what we're doing but getting that down into the motion of the field and getting them to really appreciate it and execute it on is, is a really big challenge you're sitting down with a sales rep or a sales leader. How would you position the ecosystem to them and how they should leverage it in their, you know, sales, sales methodology? Yeah, I would say in my sales career, I've always started by looking at kind of model behavior, right? If I see somebody doing something really well and somebody who's excelling, how do I model 
that behavior? How do I make sure that I'm at President's Club every year? How do I make sure that I'm crushing my numbers? And how, how do I make sure I've got a stable of really happy customers that I can use as references at any given point in time? And one of the key traits that I see in our best sellers, going back to that abundance versus scarcity mentality is they 100% recognize the power of relationships in and around the account. Mm-hmm. And all of those people, I'm thinking at, at the moment, there's a list of at least 10 sellers within the organization who I think just do this so naturally. It's like falling out of bed for them. But the way that they immediately look at an account or an opportunity within an account is through that lens of relationship. Who are the people that surround the individuals that I know that are involved in this account that can really help to drive this agenda forward and help me to explore this opportunity? So I think that would be the first thing. The second thing is, you know, a a recognition that the world has changed in terms of sales of any sort of SaaS technology, particularly in security. This isn't a single threaded sell to one buyer within the organization. This touches so many people across the organization that even our best sellers would never be able, given the amount of time that they have in a a normal business day or normal business week, to be able to cover all of those relationships adequately. I think it's an, an acceptance that they have to find a way to get themselves across those multiple stakeholders and make sure that they're creating valuable relationships for their customers at the same time. Because again, this is about the integration of a much bigger picture when it comes to identity security. And so they need to find ways to really to really help be the connective tissue, if you like, around the problem set that the, that the customers have. So I think to, to kind of really boil that down, for, for the sellers in the organization, I, I would say it's how do you cover as much ground as you possibly can, accepting that you are just one person that's never going to be able to cover all of those relationships. We have a big focus upon triangulation of information at Beyond Trust. It's part of our do the basics brilliantly methodology or the, the Beyond Trust way, as we call it. So, you know, this is how are you triangulating your, your intel with relationships in and around the deal. Um, it's about leveraging relationships to make sure that you've got other people selling for you while you're not selling. And it's also about the creation of that differentiated value. So those would be the four key things really that I would implore all of the salespeople, not just at Beyond Trust, but I think, you know, salespeople more broadly to yeah. uh, to, to really take to heart. Yeah, anywhere. I think, you know, that triangulation equates to the trifecta approach that we take too, right? You might have a reseller, you might have a GSI, you've got a technology alliance partner or two in the equation, and we are going to market with the trifecta. We're doing marketing campaigns with the trifecta. The sellers have to be thinking of selling with the trifecta. Yeah, they do. And again, they have to be thinking about the positioning of the value that that trifecta brings. Again, it's about stepping away from just the bits and bytes of the solution, the software as a service that you're trying to sell. And it's really, again, opening up the aperture and saying, hey, there's there's a much bigger picture at play. Mm-hmm. And through the power of this partnership and the, the alliance that we're bringing here through the trifecta, there's, there's much more value that we can add to your business. So yeah. I 100% agree with that. Last podcast, I had Dave Taylor, who's the CMO of Impartner on. Yeah. And we were talking about this and, and he made a point, I thought it was really interesting. He said, you know, the buyer journey today He's having, you know, a dozen steps, a dozen conversations before he even gets to our seller. And Mm so who are the different partners? It's not just one partner. Who are the different partners that he's talking to your buyer 
before he reaches us. And you want to make sure those are good conversations. So if, Absolutely. We're, if we're embedded with those partners and, and getting them to say the right things and understand all of our value, what a leg up by the time it even reaches our seller. And that's so true of the new buying process as well, because, you know, you read any of the literature from industry analysts or just people, you know, that study buyer behavior generally yeah. at a psychological level. There's so much more independent research that goes on, you know, independent as in people going through their trusted networks that they see as trusted. So, yeah, I think as part of that modern buying methodology, it is fundamental to making sure that by the time that they actually get on a Zoom call or, a, you know, a, a WebEx or a Teams meeting with us for the first time, that they're already thinking positively, you know, they're, mm -hmm. they're already thinking about how how can I implement this technology is part of my overall solution stack. So yeah. again, completely agree with that. But it, that change in buyer behavior, we see it even as individuals, right? Our own personal buying behavior, my personal buying behavior has changed. You know, I don't buy anything until I've looked at the reviews, you know, and scrolled through and done my own kind of weighting analysis on who's given it five stars, what are the one stars saying about it, you know, yeah. get my unbalanced opinion before I make any sort of buying or even exploration decisions fundamental part of the next generation channel for me is making sure that you've got a, a really broad cohort of individuals saying very positive things about you as an organization and the technology that you bring into market. Yeah. And when you look at that cohort, let's jump maybe to the TAP partners, the Technology Alliance partners. Very important to us from an integrations perspective, but I think they play another role for us, as you mentioned, in the account and what they can do for us. Absolutely. I mean, again, the creation of value for a customer nowadays in the identity security space is not about a single product solution. The last decade, probably more, has been about how do I make sure that my entire security stack is working mm -hmm. together in concert? And uh, yeah, our technology alliance partners are absolutely crucial to that journey and crucial to the value creation that we bring to all of our customers there. I see those, you know, even looking back on, on my career where I started in the channel, I mean, technology alliances were always a huge part of, and probably one of the biggest parts of our most effective channel plays. I remember when back in my early days with an organization called Vayu, who are in roles-based access control mm -hmm. and kind of a, a precursor to identity governance, identity access governance. We had a tie up with computer associates back then, and that was our single biggest, I think, vehicle for both lead generation and value creation for customers at that point, you know? So we should be continuing to look at that because this is a, a space, very luckily, this is a space that's still growing at a tremendous clip. A lot of people in the ecosystem that we can partner with. And I think we have a great opportunity here at Beyond Trust to really steal the march on a market that's really begging for better integration, more open integration mm -hmm. across that identity security stack. Yeah, absolutely. We're starting to talk a lot more about our service delivery partners and really, mm -hmm. you know, getting some strong relationships and really good talent out there in our partner network. Why is that so important for us at Beyond Trust? I think it's important for a few reasons, but the biggest reason for me, and going back to your question as well about attain, grow and protect, mm -hmm. I actually think there is some, well, clearly there's some shades of gray between those because those are three just very broad categorizations, if I can say mm -hmm. that. Um, one of the most fundamental ones for me, actually, in a SaaS motion is adoption, which obviously exists between 
hey, we've attained, we've attained a customer, we bought them on board, brand new customer, and we are now moving into the growth stage. But yeah. a customer is not going to grow with you unless they've had a very successful implementation experience. And for me, the partner plays a, a huge part in that. And, and that's because, number one, we're, we're a great technology organization and clearly we have really great subject matter experts in this stuff. And we do a lot of co-delivery with mm -hmm. partners, but we're not a professional services shop. There are a lot of people out there that specialize in that, not only in specializing in the implementation of beyond trust technology, but again, to my earlier point, you know, it's really around how are they how are they helping us to integrate with the rest of the the stack and yeah. and all of the other competing priorities that our customers have got as well? So I, I think for me that's that's really where it starts in terms of the importance of those service partners to us. We we need them to make sure that we're really driving that adoption phase. We're delivering successful business outcomes for our, our customers within a time frame that they expect. And that's then going to lead them to the next conversations with us around, hey, how do we continue to grow this solution out across the organization? Or, hey, how do you help us to actually fix some of these other use cases that we see at play within the identity and security stack at whatever their company is? So crucial element, and I think really helps us to get much more span of influence over our customer base. It helps us to execute and implement a lot more of these adoption programs than we would be able to do ourselves. So yeah, massive part of go-to-market, big focus, big part of the focus, obviously around next generation channel and has been over the last two years. And I think that's an, another key win. You know, I think we've done a very good job of identifying some of those partners and bringing them up to speed quickly so they can get out there and do even more implementations for us. Yeah, and as you and I were talking earlier, you mentioned relationships, you know, all these different relationships that the reps are trying to manage. And if you have 20 relationships per account and you own 20 accounts, you know, how do you manage 400 relationships? So these delivery partners, the other partners can all be helping with that and maintaining yep. those relationships. Absolutely. Absolutely. What about the GSIs? What's your advice for our reps? You know, GSIs, the big battleships, they have huge relationships. How should our reps be thinking about leveraging that portion of our ecosystem? I think in a very similar way to how they would manage any other relationship, right? GSIs, particularly in your larger SME organizations up through our enterprise clients, yeah. a lot of our core GSI partners have got some sort of footprint in and around the account. So I would say engage early and often with those GSIs within region, within your territory, find out who the individuals are that are involved in those projects on the ground, who the people are that are influencing the agenda and prioritization of projects within our customer base. Super important because I think the GSIs really do that um, and activate those relationships. I think, mm -hmm. again, some of the biggest deals that we've landed have come from conversations with those types of GSI or even advisory partners, you know, the kind of big four, big five advisory partners that gave us early indication that hey this you know this project is up and coming or at least on the radar we need to get you engaged with the with the right people so work with your your local cam or partner manager find out who those individuals are on the ground that you need to get connected into build relationships with them find out where they're active let them know where you're active and good things will come of that because they have 
very deep networks, sprawling networks, and they're they're usually very close to the juicy gossip and information at the project level. Yeah, I think you get some incredible insights from those GSI partners. Um, so, so that's what I would say. Really, just make sure you you're finding out who you need to press the flesh with, get out, take them for coffee, do whatever you need to, but make a friend of your GSI partners in region, find out yeah. where they're active and get involved. Yeah, absolutely. Any other advice for sales reps at Beyond Trust or any company that's executing a, an ecosystem strategy? Again, I would say take a really close look at the sales methodology, your own personal sales methodology that you're employing. Because, you know, sales can be an exceptionally lonely place when you're carrying a very big quota and you're looking at your customer base thinking, right, this is what I have to do this quarter. This is what I have to do for the year. And I always say to our team here at Beyond Trust, you've got to think of sales as a team sport. And again, as far as modeling behavior goes, you look at the best salespeople that I've ever worked with, whether it be on trust or pre-Beyond Trust, they've always been the ones that see selling as a true team sport. They are exceptionally good at mobilizing individuals across the organization and outside of organizational boundaries. They are masters of relationships. They are masters of being able to pull people around a problem to create that value that the customer wants to see. Because at the end of the day, I would say, you know, customers are not necessarily always looking for a perfect product because no thing really exists. There is no perfect product. But what you can do, what, what we can do as sellers, and I think in many organizations, even outside of Beyond Trust, I think one of the best things that we can do is get a lot of like-minded people onto a project to really drive towards the most successful outcomes possible. And I think, you know, when you've got good people aligned to a project, then good things can happen because problems get minimized and, you know, people look at things through a positive lens and, and you can drive towards really positive outcomes for, you, for your customers. So I think that that for me would be just one of the key things in terms of making sure that you're you're framing your role, if you will, as, as that. You're really trying to be the curator of value through relationships for your customer and find a way to differentiate through doing that. I think that would be the main thing that I would recommend. Yeah, that's fantastic. I've focused on the sellers. We have a channel organization who I think also are are maturing and needing to catch up on the new bandwagon. And it's a big change for channel account managers too, who are used to managing resellers and thinking transactionally, having this direct versus indirect mindset, as opposed to much more holistic, mm -hmm. bigger, bigger business picture mindset. Any, any words of wisdom to channel account managers that yes. uh, folks should think about? Yeah. I mean, this is something that I've thought a lot about because as we've evolved as an organization, you know, the old channel account manager role was very much geared towards a VARVAD type of motion i would challenge our cams to really start to level up and think about how am i you know more than just being a channel account manager um which sounds very transactional in nature how do i level up to be really a partner manager like a custodian of a portfolio of value adding partnerships within my region or territory or theater whatever level that you're operating at how how do i become then you know a a curator of a channel um, of partners that can really add value to my salespeople within my team, right? Mm -hmm. We all share the same goals in terms of revenue growth and ARR growth and all of those good things. But I think it is really the partner manager's responsibility to create that 
Rolodex, you know, that that staff and portfolio of the right mix of partners within any given region that provide that contact framework for all of their reps to leverage. So I think that would be the first thing. The second thing is they need to be in the same way as the reps are for their customers, they need to be a connector of people within those organizations. They need to find creative, innovative, energizing ways of getting those partners connected with folks in the field. And that doesn't always just have to be related to a specific opportunity. This is about enhancement of professional networks. I think they have a job to do there. Creators of pipeline, I think that just comes hand in hand with making sure they're across a partner base who who are active within their region and 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 have good good customer traction, not necessarily in in our space, but in the peripheral elements of identity security that sit around beyond trust, and then you know be creators of of customer value as as a result of that. And I think a big piece of this as well, and a big shift that I think we need to see moving into next year and around our channel account managers, our partner managers, is that they need to be role models for articulating the Beyond Trust message. And that's partly in terms of really helping to educate and re-educate and reaffirm our channel ecosystem as to what our value proposition is that we bring. But also, you know, somebody who can be front and center as a spokesperson within that region about the power of the ecosystem and the differentiation of the ecosystem that we have achieved or are achieving beyond trust. So that I know there's a lot in there. My expectations are very high, you know, both on the sales side and the partner manager side. But I do believe that as we roll through the back end of this year and into next, we are we're absolutely taking our next generation partner game to the next level. Yeah. I think what it is, Brand, is it's the next generation go to market, right? Correct. We've had this conversation before. I, I mean, I I find it hard nowadays to really divorce the two again, some of the team sport piece. Yeah. I think we have to move away from looking at things in silos. At the end of the day, this is a team sport. We're all headed towards the same goal here. And this is really about how do we just perform and execute better about selling to our customers and supporting our customers through just expanding the the coverage of the account and the amount yeah. of value that we can bring. So I agree. I don't see it as a channel what's your tra- channel strategy what's your sales strategy i think that those things have to be the same in the same way that your solutions engineering strategy and your marketing strategy can't live in glorious isolation they're one and the same thing as far as i'm concerned yeah fantastic all right brent here's the fun part let's talk about your channel journey yeah you've got an interesting american accent um <laughs> yes <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people confuse me for Matthew McConaughey when they hear me, <laughs> but when they see me. Um, Absolutely. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Manchester in the UK. I moved around a little bit when I was younger, but mostly in Manchester. So yeah, I went to Manchester University Business School over there. That's where I spent most of my formative years, I have to say. Well, what I think is really fun is you've moved to the States and you have become more American than the Americans, as we like to joke. So I'm told. <laughs> <laughs> your, your favorite things to do here now that you live in Georgia? Well, I have to say now, now I live in the South. I love my truck. I have a Ford F-150 um, with six inch lift and all of that sort of stuff and off-road tires. I love getting out into the mountains and around the lakes here in Georgia. I love that. Kayaking has also become a big favorite of mine. I like to to get out on the lakes and rivers here in Georgia, which is is a fantastic pastime. Love doing that. And yeah, there's just so much to explore over here, you know, and we've already uh, 
driven through Alabama and Florida and and uh, and flying around to see what this phenomenal country has to offer. But yeah, absolutely enjoying living over here so far. It's been two and a half years already, if you can believe already? it. But, wow. Yeah. And you have a photo in the background, I see, of baseball become your new I do. I do. That's hammering Hank Aaron. I have become a huge baseball fan as well since moving over here, which is something that I never thought I would say. Baseball was never something that interested me, but I've become a uh, a huge Atlanta Braves fan. Obviously, I moved over here in, in um, 2022, um, late 21, early 22, and the Braves obviously won the World Series that year. And I feel as though my appearance in Atlanta on the scene had a huge impact on that result. So it must have. I, I feel intrinsically linked to the Braves and their fortunes. And hopefully we're back in the playoffs and World Series again this year. But yeah, I just wanted to really, you know, decorate the office with some, you know, real Atlanta superstars. And I think number 44, Hank Harron is is one of those. And then you probably can't see just above it is uh, Dr. Martin Luther King. It's obviously a very famous Atlantean. And yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, just, you know, trying to represent my new home here. in the Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, we love having you here, Brent. Thanks so much. This has been a really fun interview. A lot of great content, I think, for folks at Beyond Trust, as well as any other firm executing the ecosystem strategy and that sales engagement is just so important that they leverage this. Absolutely. You know, looking forward to continue to work in, on this journey with you, Rob. It's been a fantastic one so far. And I know we've still got a tremendous amount to achieve, but I think back end of 2023 and, and beginning of 2024 is going to be huge for us both. So looking yeah, forward. absolutely. All right. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Thank you, Rob. Take care. Thanks for listening to Channel Journeys. For show notes and other Channel Journey podcasts, visit channeljourneys.com. If you liked today's show, please forward it to your channel friends and be sure to tune in for Rob's next channel adventure. Okay, guys, there you have it. The answer is a strong yes. Brent and I are fully aligned on our ecosystem strategy and how it must be fully integrated into our go-to-market playbook. I really like Brent's abundance mindset. It's so key to sales success. And he does a great job articulating how reps should be leveraging partners in their accounts. He also has great advice for partner managers. Our CAMs need to be custodians of a portfolio of partners in their territory and be a connector of people within those organizations. For all of today's show notes, just go to channeljourneys.com CJ122. You can subscribe while you're there. Thank you so much for listening, and thanks to our sponsor, Impartner. Be sure to check them out at impartner.com. We've got many more fantastic episodes coming up, so stay tuned. Until then, have an awesome channel journey.